Hi, and welcome to the Imperfect Podcast. My name is Deb Crow, and I will be your host. Join me on this journey as we meet heart-centered leaders from all over the globe. Lots of interesting questions, interesting conversation, and find out what makes a leader. How do they handle uncertainty and complexity? How do they lead in a time that is volatile? Join us. Welcome back to Imperfect, the Heart-Centered Leadership Podcast. And this week, I wanted to take a little bit of a different direction, and I wanted to venture into the world of human resources. I have been following this gentleman for several years, and I'm delighted to have him joining us today. So I have traveled across the ocean to Amsterdam, and I'm pleased to introduce you to Tom Hack. Tom is the director of the HR Trend Institute, which he founded in 2014. Tom has an extensive experience in HR management in multinational companies. From 2006 to 2014, he was the global HR director for Arcadis, the leading global natural and built asset design and consultancy firm, which today has 27,000 employees worldwide. Prior to Arcadis, Tom worked in senior HR positions at AON, KPMG, and Philips Electronics. Tom has a keen interest in innovative HR and how organizations can benefit from trend shifts. So Tom, welcome to the Imperfect Podcast. Well, thank you for having me. I'm so delighted to chat to you and I have so many questions. So I've, I've been selective because I wanna highlight a lot of the research and work that you've done on a global level. So my first question to you is, when I look at HR, and managing people, there's been a real shift in terms of how HR has been utilized. It used to be an art, and now it seems like we've migrated to a science. And I wanted to know if you could let the listeners know how companies have really migrated to use some sophisticated data in terms of analysis for all elements of HR. Yeah, so that's uh, immediately a big question. <laughs> uh, and I would say, well, has it evolved from art to science? Eh? So, so th there are different uh, uh, trends, you could say. Uh, uh, and, uh, uh, well, I, I would say it's more from administrative function to uh, uh, a, a real science-based, impactful profession. The art... I have not seen a lot, also not in the past, to admit. Eh? Uh, maybe a, an art element was that HR could deal very well with people, uh, but also that, uh, to be honest, uh, was not uh, always uh, the case. But so the involvement, uh, getting more uh, science-based, working more data-driven, that's absolutely a long-term trend, and we are in the middle uh, of that. Um, what, what is surprising that uh, uh, there's a lot of scientific uh, 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 evidence, a uh, lot of scientific uh, research that is already available for, for a long time. And, and, and a lot of that research is not even used today. 
I'll give you uh, one example. Uh, that is, for example, that it, it has been proven again and again that the, the interview as a selection method is not so very good. Uh, especially because most of those interviews are not super structured. Most of those interviews are, are opening a lot of bias. Uh, and still, uh, and I'm sure you probably will recognize that, in many organizations, the, the interview is one of the most uh, 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 used uh, selection methods. We know, and, and, that's, and, and, and so advanced companies that are further on that trend are, have changed their methodologies. And I will probably uh, uh, expand a little bit on the, on the example of selection because uh, people can understand that. So in the past, you would say, okay, well, we are looking for a new person who is going to do this and this and this. Companies made a job profile. Already that job profile was often not evidence-based. Eh? Are the elements in the job profile really the, the elements, the factors that distinguish high-performing people from mediocre-performing people in organizations? Question mark. The evidence was often not there. So today, that's done more. Let's look at the data. What do we learn about high-performing people in our organizations and other organizations? What are the distinguishing characteristics? And then we can start looking for those people. And also the looking, uh, has uh, so the search has become more uh, uh, data-driven. It's, it's not a person behind the computer saying, okay, let's have a look on LinkedIn, what I can find. Uh, there's technology that can help uh, uh, organizations to do that search. Then the selection, um, yeah, it's also can be a lot more professionalized. Uh, if you, uh, the, the question is, how can you find out whether the people uh, uh, you want to to select whether they have those uh, uh, defining characteristics? And that's often a mix uh, uh, between, you could say, uh, capability tests, psychology tests, personality, uh, all those kind of things, and and that that gives a lot more solid. Uh, evidence than uh, just an interview where uh, people say, well, you know, let me talk to people in five, five minutes and then I know whether he or she is good. So I will stop here, but uh, getting rid, using technology, using data to get rid of biases, and there are many biases, uh, and, and to increase the level uh, of uh, recruitment, that's a trend and has been going on you could say, unfortunately, still not many organizations are using it. Well, you, you just led beautifully into my next question. So if we look at the overall, I'm going to call it the umbrella of HR, recruitment, performance, promotion, compensation, and looking at the people analytics, can you explain to the to the listeners with the work you've done and you've had decades of experience within HR, how the people analytics is really helping to eliminate the biases? Um, well, it's it's easier it's easiest again to to go back to the uh, recruitment example, and I will give another example in a minute, but. I don't know how it is in the US, but in the Netherlands, 
for example, people uh, 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 from uh, minorities, uh, people who are non-Dutch, have a lot more difficulty on the labor market. That's not because they are not qualified, but because there's a lot of bias. Eh? If, if, if your name, if you have a specific name, eh? uh, 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 specific names are never invi invited for interviews. Uh, if you have a certain look, uh, the chances that you are invited for interviews uh, are diminishing. Uh, if you are, there is research, that, uh, 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 there's a company in Sweden that did research on their whole, not only the selection process, but the way they dealt in, the, in that case with women in the organization. They meticulously measured a lot of things. And not only... You could say the lag indicator. What you always hear is how many people do we have, how many females, how many women do we have in senior positions. That's a lag in the indicator. Measuring that, yeah, is in a sense not very helpful because you are far too late. They measured a lot of things. And then, for example, they found out uh, that interviews between a male selector, so the male recruiter, and a male candidate if you compare that between an interview between a male recruiter and a female candidate, the length of the interviews with male candidates were on average in that organization about 15 minutes longer. Why is that? And, you can, and they looked also at the verbatim of the interviews because men, men, generally, uh, they feel a little bit more comfortable. Uh, 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 we, uh, uh, the, the, the men talk a little bit about the typical men stuff. Uh, what have you, uh, the, the, the archetypical men's stuff, cars, football, uh, uh, but also where do you come from, where do you live? Small talk for 15 minutes and then in the interview. But the bias is already established in that 15 minutes because if, if you are also a supporter of my favorite football club, uh, if, if you have studied in, at the same university where I've gone, if you look a little bit, more, like, I think, well, this must be a good candidate. So the bias is already created in those 15 minutes. So what, the, and this was, there's a lot of data everywhere in that organization. There were these kind of differences. You can imagine if it's happening in the uh, selection interviews, it was also happening in the performance reviews. Eh? Men, women, a little bit more cautious. And well, you, I, I better not do small talk because uh, I don't want any issues. So I immediately start to give my uh, feedback. Um, and, and then, if you have that data, if you have the analysis, then you can take action. For example, I, 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 this is relatively easy. You say, well, let's hire more female recruiters. Let's structure the interviews a lot better. Eh? So it's 45 minutes interviews. These are the questions. No talk about football or other irrelevant uh, things. We, this, we want to check whether people have the competencies we are looking for, whether they have the personality we are looking for. But, so you can take a lot of measures, but, but organizations are, are, are often hesitating to do that. Uh, for example, it's, it's clear that blind interviewing is a, lot more, is a lot better than not blind interviewing. Uh, and blind interviewing is also then uh, 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 masking the voice. Because if you can hear my voice and my accent, uh, 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 you can detect a lot. Uh, again, not relevant, 
but your bias is there immediately. So do blind interviews, but not many organizations are doing that. They say, well, you know, it's important that we see the people, whether there's a good cultural fit, blah, blah, blah. Most of it is, yeah, you could say nonsense. So this is just one example, but uh, uh, so, so, so if you have, if you are, if you, if you have the right data, if you ask the right questions, in this organization, the question was, what is happening? Why are, don't we get uh, 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 more, in this case, females in senior positions? Let's look at the data, what is happening. But you can ask many more uh, 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 questions, of course. So it's asking the right questions and then looking at the data that you have or gathering new data if you don't have uh, uh, sufficient uh, uh, data and then basing your interventions on the data and not your, yeah, not only your gut feel. Well, the data doesn't lie, does it, Tom? No, but, but uh, uh, in the end, it's the combination of, uh, uh, you could say, experience, intuition, uh, uh, and data, that combination. So uh, uh, people, men, women, with data with technology that combination is is a winning combination but it's never leaving it to the machine that doesn't work either eh? and we have seen bad examples of that uh, i'm sure you have read uh, the examples of uh, artificial intelligence selection if you leave it totally uh, to the machine then you you inc yeah you create biased machines especially if the machines are trained uh, by, by humans so you you need to make sense of it, you need to interpret the data. You need to 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 be to say, hey, did, did, what's going on here? Why does it look so strange? So, so you have to dig deeper. So that combination, eh, data does not lie, but you can easily lie with data. Eh? So uh, 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 it needs uh, uh, qualified, intelligent, uh, uh, and well-educated people to work with the data. Oh, I fully agree, and. I, I had an interview a couple of weeks ago and we were chatting about AI and we brought some laughter to the conversation to say that, uh, find me a robot that has good soft skills and executes emotional intelligence. So we can always have some fun looking back on, on, yeah. the, on the trends. So I want to- But, but on the robots, there, there are, I, I've talked to companies who are experimenting with, with robots. Also the, the type of robots you're coaching robots. Uh, and their experiences are not so bad. Eh? Because also for some people, it's a little bit easier to talk to, to uh, uh, a robot than to talk to a human being. Because you know, well, there's no opinions there, there's mm -hmm. no biases there. So they, they were not so uh, negative. Now you did your master's in psychology and I wanted to know, were you always kind of a people person or what led you into having such an amazing career within human resources? Yeah. And that's, uh, 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 I'm, I'm an experimental psychologist. Uh, so I'm, I'm educated in methodology and statistics. Uh, uh, in, in the, even in those days I was working with uh, artificial intelligence computers. So, so my, you could say preference has always been a little bit on the hard technical side. So, so uh, 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 if you ask people uh, around me, is Tom a people's person? They would probably say, well, yeah, uh, 
maybe a little bit, but, <laughs> but you could say that's partly the explanation why I was successful in HR. Because most people of HR enter HR from, from the area. I love people. I love to work with people. I, I want to go in HR. And generally, that's not a good, good starting point because the HR profession is a lot broader. So, so bringing my, uh, for example, statistical uh, knowledge, my technical uh, capabilities, my business uh, savviness into the HR arena in the jobs where I was, that was part of, uh, of, of I would say, why I was uh, successful and appreciated in the organizations where I worked. Um, so, uh, and, and why did I end up in HR? Yeah, to be honest, that was more or less uh, uh, coincidence. So I was, yeah, I was looking for jobs. And in those days when I was on the labor market, it was bad times. So, <laughs> uh, and uh, then Philips Electronics, were a fantastic company, they offered a traineeship in uh, human resources. It was not even called human resources in those days. And it was something like, uh, we, we are looking for, uh, psychologists, sociologists who want a fast career. So that attracted me probably more than even the domain. What do you think are some main characteristics to being a heart-centered leader? And the second part of my question is, would you consider yourself to be a heart-centered leader? And then I first have to ask you what a heart-centered leader is. Uh, yeah. So a heart-centered leader would be a leader who would have the characteristics that we talk about within soft skills and executing emotional intelligence. So someone who really knows themselves and within their leadership scope, there's no judgment. There's no mm -hmm. assuming. They, they really yeah, seek yeah. to understand. So that type of, that type yeah, of soft yeah. skill skill set. Yeah, yeah. And I, I have a, a behind me, you cannot see it, but I have a, a big pile of uh, all the reports that have been written about me in the past uh, 40 years. Uh, 360s, uh, the psychological tests, uh, 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 what have you. Uh, and of course, uh, uh, there is some, if I go through the pile, which I, which I don't do uh, uh, regularly because... Uh, it doesn't help too much, but uh, so there is some consistencies that so I would not fit perfectly in your definition of a heart centered leader to maybe that's disappointing for you, but uh, I, I, why? Huh? Uh, if you look at, of course, I can get along with people well, but I'm, for example, my I, I'm too opinionated. Opinionated to to uh, I, I find it very difficult to go in a kind of neutral gear. So uh, uh, I, I'm I'm but but uh, my, my ideas are strong and and often based not not bad uh, uh, and I'm very well able to uh, enthuse, enthuse, or uh, I don't know whether that's the right English, but to, to, to uh, inspire people with those ideas. And uh, then uh, uh, implement them very well. So, um, 
yeah, I can describe my, I don't want to describe all my characteristics, but, uh, 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 yeah. Is that a, is that a, an answer to your question? Well, I think it's perfect. I think it's perfect. And that's why I love, I've titled this imperfect because, yeah. <laughs> because I think Tom, I think everybody has some level of imperfection that they bring to their leadership. So I love that you actually answered the question in that context because, you know, we laugh, but we all have different principles and virtues that we bring to leadership and there's no there's no level of perfection there's no, no. room for perfection but, but people are are looking for that that's the strange thing so i have i i have let's say worked with a lot of leaderships models in my life and on my website you can find a nice collection with 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 more than 100 of those leadership models but and, and, and a lot of those models are more or less the same, eh? you understand. There's always the same elements in there. But the, and the underlying salt is something like we are looking for the, the, the perfect rounded leader. Eh? The perfect leader, and it's always has, it's, it's and able to make decisions and he listens good or she. Uh, the, the perfect uh, is, is empathic and uh, decisive, is uh, tech-savvy tech and people. So there's all these, and it, that's why all these models are circles. Eh? It's always a circle with five, six uh, uh, things. And of course, in the middle is often the, the vision, uh, inspiration, uh, uh, et cetera, et cetera. I'm not... But you, it's hardly ever people talk about another concept which is spiky leadership and spiky leadership is about that if you there there are people that are not necessarily rounded but are good in one or two areas uh, and that can work very well as well as long as you don't put all your bets on one or two leaders and uh, if you, so, so this is also a plea to look a lot more at the composition of teams. Uh, I can also make a plea for let's not too much burden, let not, let's not put too much burden on, on and expectations on the leaders in organizations. I think that's done too much as well. People have too high, high expectations of leaders. And that's why a concept like you could say more distributed leadership appeals to me a lot. Uh, we don't have to, in fact, our view on leadership is often very much de determined by, by old-fashioned organizational views where there's one leader at the top and uh, yeah, that, those are more the traditional hierarchical organizations. Most organizations are no longer like that. So rounded leadership, question mark, but I'm interested to hear from you what you think. Let's look at spiky leadership and also let's 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 look more at shared leadership, distributed leadership, then the leadership characteristics of the, 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 the few people who are at the top of organizations. Well, I agree with you. And I think I don't like the word perfection. I'd rather mm. eliminate it and use the word progression. And I think there needs to be, um, I want to say some room, if you will, because there's a lot of screening, like you talked about, for recruitment around personality. 
And I mm -hmm. think personality certainly is one of the facets to look at, but I think behavior needs to be aligned beside, yeah. beside it because it's two different things to act one way and do something is, 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 is two different modalities. So I do agree with you. And I think there's always room for, for progression. And I think being an imperfect leader allows you to be heart centered. So I'm definitely going to say you're heart centered, Tom. But, but uh, thank you. And, but, uh, and back to the personality. Uh, also there is back to the data because many people have a kind of, of picture in their head. What type of personality is good and fitting and what type of personality is not so good. And, uh, and then people easily, for example, uh, talk about things like introvert, extrovert, uh, or they uh, use the MBTI as a testing tool. And so they use unreliable, unscientific tools, and they have models in their head, which are, for, it's typ typical extrovert, people are overrated. Uh, and pe because people like them better, yeah? Uh, their likability is higher, but whether they are more successful, question mark. But so there is a tendency also to look at personality characteristics, uh, and I totally agree with you, that that are not relevant. Let, let's see what people have done and what they are doing and whether they can, can show the behavior that we, what, that we need. And let's then also uh, respect diversity. Because, yeah, there are certain ways to do things and there are other ways to, to do things and there's not necessarily one good way. You can, you, you, you can, do, you can tackle issues and tackle problems in different ways and, and both of them can be successful. Oh, I fully agree with you. So I like to end my podcast with what I call the Fab Four, just four fun questions. And, and these are the types of questions, Tom, where you don't even have to think. I just want to know what, what the answer is that's just sitting there in your mind. My first question is, what do you love the most about the Netherlands? About the Netherlands? Well, I, I think that, uh, 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 what I like most is the, 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 the culture of uh, uh, equality, I would say. Uh, it, it, it's, it's a very nice country to live in. And uh, compared to a lot of other countries in the world, uh, I, I consider the Netherlands to be the, be the best place uh, to live in. And there's a lot of things that can be improved. But uh, so the, 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 the culture of, yeah, I call it culture of equality. Uh, which is super. Well, it's on my list of places to visit because I have not been there yet. So now I can say I actually know someone there. So that's a plus. Absolutely, you're, well, you're welcome. Now, my second question is, what did you dream of becoming career-wise when you were a young boy? Yeah, and uh, 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 <laughs> it depends a little bit uh, how young, but uh, in my, uh, uh, you could say when I was a teenager, I wanted to become a writer. Uh, but uh, so I wrote some poems, <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. I, I quickly uh, stopped uh, with that uh, career uh, aspiration, but st I'm still, now I'm writing, but more blog posts and things like that. Well, I was just going to say, you're, you are a writer, just in a different context. <laughs> yeah, so. absolutely, yeah. What is your favorite hobby? 
And my favorite hobby is, is uh, uh, I have two favorite hobbies today. One is running and that's a long time hobby. So I've always been a, a runner. Uh, uh, and the second one is uh, playing bridge. Well, I'm a fellow runner and I know uh, bridge is a very difficult card game. I, my grandmother diligently tried to teach me that when I was a young girl. So that's, that's going to seek to keep you well into your aged years. I hope it, so, yeah. It's a higher <laughs> cognitive activity, isn't it? Uh, absolutely. And my last question is what would be your favorite meal? to have if you could have any meal today what's one that uh, is inspiring or has some memories yeah, attached? that's all also easy to an answer if i have a choice i like to, to eat indonesian food and uh, uh, we have some connections not necessarily good between the netherlands and indonesia uh, it was one of our colonies so uh, but uh, uh, the, the people who came back from indonesia brought the indonesian food and, and it's adapted to the Dutch taste, but Indonesian food, the Indonesian, Indonesian rice tafel, as it's called, that, that's the best food there is. Tom, I wanna thank you for your time today. I wanna thank you for the work that you're doing and continue to do in HR. And uh, just really appreciate having a, a lovely free-flowing conversation today with you on the podcast. Well, thank you. Uh, and I, I love to uh, end the podcast by my favorite five things, and that is to follow your heart, have passion, do your best, know your truth, and always be in love with the journey. This is Deb Crow, and thanks for joining us today on Imperfect, the Heart-Centered Leadership Podcast.